Okay, welcome to SADCAST, the SADMAG podcast, um, where we talk about stories, art, and design in three segments. I'm Jackie Hoffer. And I'm Stu Pop. This week, we want to talk about something called Gamergate, which is not something that I was really familiar with even more than a week ago, although I had sort of heard about it in my kind of Twitter sphere, I guess. And I think maybe it would be better for Stu to explain a little bit more about it, because I feel like you have a different connection to it than I do. Yeah, well, I can I can give you the basic timeline for it. Mm-hmm. My connection to it is that I know one of the people that is being harassed. Um, it's awful. So the basic timeline, it's sort of all kicked off with uh, the ex of an independent game developer releasing this, I guess you could call it a manifesto, about their relationship and some alleged infidelity, uh, including alleged infidelity with a games journalist. And a lot of self-identified gamers opted to use this as an opportunity to harass this game developer. The the ex-girlfriend. The ex-girlfriend, yeah. Right. And what's different from this, what sets this apart from the typical, dare I say typical, or even, I don't want to say normal, because I feel like that normalizes it, but the typical kind of misogyny and kind of verbal violence that people uh, receive on the internet, but especially women, um, this is different in what way specifically? Partially in scale. Uh, mm-hmm. partially because it's being masked under this Gamergate hashtag as a movement to root out corruption in games journalism. Okay. Uh, it's most specifically, it's harassment targeted towards three particular people. One is this game developer. Yeah. Another is a public figure, culture critic, Anita Sarkeesian, mm-hmm. who is, runs Feminist Frequency and produces a series of videos called tropes against women in video games these videos for anybody out there that hasn't seen them or hasn't run come across her before or isn't familiar like just get yourself to feminist frequency and and sit down and, and watch some of her videos how do how do you describe this to me it's it's like rigorous much more rigorous um feminist literature really um or feminist reporting i guess you could say an analysis than most of what we read on the web and what passes as kind of interesting journalism these days and so for me um it's not i mean i don't know it skirts that line it's cultural criticism really and um and it's excellent and so she's she's really not to be missed but what i was i think trying to get at with my question is Mm -hmm. that from my perspective of reading about this what makes this set of circumstances and these particular people involved in this story different from my understanding of other stories like this or whatever is that these people have been doxxed which is a word I just learned meaning their um, like home addresses and personal information have often been released or been released in every occasion so that the threat of violence online um, has a spillover into a very real threatening spillover into their daily lives so that um, I know Anita Sarkeesian has been involved with the FBI to try to, um, you know, make this stop and, you know, has has reportedly um, left her home. And yeah, she couldn't go back to her house uh, because of threat. That's what I meant by the scale. 
yeah, being yeah. different. As I just wanted to, to be really specific about that though, though, because I feel like yeah, of we, course, yeah. I feel like we pretty, we, we do kind of have a lot of conversations about, or there, there is an ongoing thread, I think, you know, in a lot of feminist discussions of web culture or whatever that means or web cultures. And mm-hmm. it seems to me like it's, it's kind of, things are really shifting right now. And this seems to be like that. To me, it feels like uh, uh, maybe this is like a really weird optimistic point of view in the middle of like the worst kind of um, threatening behavior. But to me, it seems like the kind of consciousness raising that's happening through in mainstream society now, and even in what could be called sort of more fringe cultures like gaming, mm-hmm. um, not that gaming is really fringe, but like it has, a, it's a certain kind of subset of culture. Um, it seems to me like there's a, there's a, there's a, an equalizing force, like that's something that, that things are changing and that there's like strong backlash by people who feel threatened by a change to the inherent order. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely would say, I mean, I definitely see there's a lot of positive going on in Mm -hmm. games in that there are people that are really making an effort to change things and try and, you know, promote diversity in games and try new things artistically as well. And yeah, Yeah. I do agree with you. There is, I think that is where a lot of this backlash is coming from. I think these people feel threatened, Mm -hmm. you know, as unjustified as it is and lashing out. And I think, I hope, at least that this is sort of that last lashing out before. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be so sure, but I feel like I want to call um, your attention and our listeners attention to this really great article that I read this week, which is related to this. Um, and it's on slate and it's called misogyny is not human nature. And it's um, an article by, <laughs> I don't know if this is a made up title or what the deal is, but it's by a man named Eric or a person I'm going to just assume man named Eric Michael Johnson. And he's there primate diaries columnist um so his little byline here says he has a master's in evolutionary anthropology and is finishing his phd in history of science so basically this is an article a little bit about um something called the fappening yes i am aware of that that would be yeah celebrity picture leaks Exactly. And then, and like surrounding like wank off basically. And then this article picks up on the Emma, Tom- or Emma Thompson, bless Emma Thompson, on the Emma Watson campaign. And then very quickly dresses Zoe Quinn and Anita Sarkeesian. And then I should just say for listeners and also for myself and also for you, I have no idea who your friend is. Um, and I don't feel like you need to name that person. And that's not really relevant to our conversation. But um, this article names Zoe Quinn and Anita Zarkeesian and, um, and talks about them in this context. And what's great about this article is it has as its thesis, essentially a, a fight against this pervasive argument that misogyny is human nature and, um, takes a look at a, a couple of different, um, studies that happened in Kenya, um, that essentially disprove this theory, um, and so it's, it's worth a read. It's a longer piece, um, but I really recommend it. And um, any article that ends in a bell hooks quote, I think, is probably where I want to be. And what's so interesting to me about this, I'm just going to read a quote from this piece, which is really a quote from bell hooks. It says, um, uh, and this is from Feminism is for Everybody. So again, you know, bell hooks had knows what's going on and has for decades um cultures of domination attack self-esteem replacing it with a notion that we derive our sense of being from dominion over another she continues patriarchal masculinity teaches men that their sense of self and identity their reason for being resides in their capacity to dominate others 
And that really resonated for me personally, just because um, on like a separate note, I took a decolonization class, like quick workshop, I guess you could say, um, day long workshop yesterday at SF Perg or at SFU through SF Perg. And um, fuck, man, every I think every human needs to take a class like this and take them a lot and do lots more reading on this because we have to be reminded that when we are not mindful of the kind of systems that we ourselves are are helping to prop up, we're, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Implicated in in that thing. And so in the context of this story, in the context of Gamergate, like I feel like everyone is implicated in this kind of misogyny and hatred. And I feel like what's going on right now in the backlash is starting to become informed by a sort of feminism that says like there's a fundamental confusion around the equality of women here. And... <laughs> we, we won't stand for it you know and so and it's and it's the shift seems to be and this is the emma watson thing the shift seems to be it has to be men who you know perform a very strong allyship with with women it can't just be women saying we're human the, it has to be men saying women are human in my opinion yeah i uh, absolutely agree um yeah I mean, even just from the sense of, like, you can't expect the, like, victims of harassment to be the ones solving the right. harassment in this, yeah. uh, this very specific case, right? Yeah, um, kind of like decolonization isn't just the job of Indigenous folks. Yeah. It's the job of everyone. Exactly. Anyway, <sighs> it's a very heavy article, very heavy piece. But um, as a side note, I don't know how how much, how many more kind of pieces you want to chat about with this, but... Um, cause I kind of really just want to pass this off to listeners and be like, go read about this and, and investigate and, and get in touch with us. And maybe we can bring these topics back in a little bit more later, or we would, I would really love to have someone who isn't directly touched by this, but who feels like they'd love to talk about it to ha- have as a guest. That would be really great. If anyone out there is listening and has, has things to say about this topic, really welcome your, um, your input. Um, but there's, a Zoe Quinn is referenced in the article on Slate, and then I followed some links through her, um, mm-hmm. through a New Yorker piece about her, and um, and then about her game called Depression Quest, and then I just started sort of playing it, I guess. And I'm not an indie gamer uh, at all, although I have an awareness of what it means to be an indie gamer from the movie, Indie Game the Movie. Mm-hmm. So Indie Game the Movie is a really lovely documentary yeah, it's really fantastic I, about indie yeah it. and so um so i was aware of this kind of world of kind of people on their own developing games and releasing them and sort of i suppose hoping to connect with people through the games and the, the kind of the beautiful art of it and so in the same way that to me in the same way that um i've never really been into sort of comic book culture but when i was in my early 20s and there was a pretty big boom in graphic novels i yeah. i kind of my only rule really and I, I know this you know whatever and call me misandry whatever but i would just only buy comics by women because i was just like feels like these people need the money and I've, there's a higher chance that i'm going to be interested in what they have to say and and uh, again this is more like graphic um graphic novels but um that was a wonderful thing and to me depression quest seems like the same kind of thing like it's super alternative game it's really more like mm, choose your own adventure kind of thing and it could be that this just shows that i have no idea what's really out there that this is like part of a huge genre but to me it's not i've not i've never seen anything like it and so even though you you wouldn't be alone in that actually one of the criticisms often lashed at zoe 
is that her game isn't a game because it's radically different from the mainstream. Yeah, but I feel like it's fantastic. I mean, it's art, you know, it's very cool. I think that's a struggle too. I mean, mean, that's a conversation for a different day about how gaming has struggled to be identified as art. And um, I would say it definitely is, um, obviously, (laughs) but it's storytelling um, that outsources its it's narrative in a way it's 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 just so varied and essentially new in our culture that we we haven't really figured out how to appreciate it i think so for me depression quest um i didn't spend i spent maybe sort of 20 minutes kind of noodling around on it and i find it really fascinating because part of what's going on is essentially you know it's sort of choose your own adventure style but what often is happening is that there's a kind of series of things you might do in a situation and a couple of them will be blocked out because that's not something that a person with depression would be able to do necessarily and so there are certain limitations that are that are built into the game as a result of essentially trying to transmit the experience of what it's like to have depression onto the user and that's really fascinating actually and I think so smart so I hate that I have to discover this kind of thing because this person is being viciously attacked online but at the same time like let's let's celebrate this this piece of art absolutely uh anything else to say on that no I think we we've kind of covered I just the only thing I'd say is stop harassing people on the internet if you are stop doing it (sighs) yeah um and you know on a more personal stop harassing my friends (laughs) Mm-hmm. it sucks and it's you know they're they're legitimately feeling threatened and endangered to the point you know it's the reason i'm not naming yeah my friend is at their request and um okay um yeah a little less a little happier <laughs> yeah like way less serious So the next topic in art today, we're going to talk about, um, I, I am a big TV watcher. TV has been a huge, huge, huge part of my life since always. I love TV so much. (laughs) I love TV always. TV is the best. The segment I wanted to do, um, today is just talking now that it's, you know, the end of September and the new season of TV has started just talking about shows we love to watch or even maybe hate love to watch. I will not be ashamed anymore of the TV that I watched. I just had a thought of a way we could structure this. Hit me. Uh, which is we do the Doug Benson method, which is to do a show that we love, a show mm-hmm. that we like, a show that we hate, and a show that we hate that we love. Gotcha. I'm into it. You go first. show that I love is Brooklyn Nine-Nine. That's very good. Uh, yeah. It was really surprising to me last year because it kind of came out of the gate uh, fully formed, which is rare for a comedy show. It's a good show. I didn't watch it initially when it came out. And then later it came on Netflix and it had come recommended by a friend. And so I was like, all right. And then I just gobbled up the whole thing. To me, Brooklyn Nine-Nine is like a delicious show. And and I'm looking forward to watching it continue to unfold. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's not the perfect show for me because it's so uh, it's kind of a little it's a bit surreal and 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 it's quite goofy. But it's very it's really fun to watch. I, uh, I enjoy Goofy and Surreal, so it's, it's right up my alley. All right, what's, uh, what's your show that you love? 
show that I love? The first thing that comes to mind is Masters of Sex. And I really like this show. Um, it's not um, kind of, it, its season hasn't started. In fact, its season is just about to end. It's Showtime, I think. Or, yes, yeah. Yeah, it's a right. Showtime show, hour-long drama about um, the sex researchers, Masters and Johnson. It's starring big guys, Lizzie Kaplan, and that other guy. And uh, it's, yeah, it's fun. I have to say the first season was great, and the second season has been a little bit more trying. Um, but I'm in, I'm in. I'm in it to win it. But my, my inclination, to be honest, was to answer with, um, I love The Great British Bake Off, which is... <laughs> Not uh, familiar. Which is a reality show that is in its fifth season in the UK. And it's just a baking show, basically. And um, it has sort of regular people who are the contestants, and they are voted off every week, one by one, until there is a great British baker at the end. And um, each week they sort of go through a series of different challenges, um, three different bakes, as it were. And uh, it's just a really sweet show. Like, if you're feeling really depressed or bummed about the world, just watch Great British Bake Off, which, to be honest, you do have to hack the internet and get a pretend, get your computer to pretend it's in the UK and watch it off of BBC iPlayer. But um, if you can do that, then, and you feel fine doing that, please just give it a, give it a watch. And uh, it's, it just makes you feel better. And British people are so into cakes and cakes and pastries and biscuits and pies. And it's just, it just feels like the thing about, I lived in the UK for just for two years. And to me, this show kind of crystallizes everything that I actually did like about super British culture. And, uh, and so it makes me feel happy to watch it. And, uh, I, I'm happy to extend that to anyone who's interested. I will give it some internet magic. And... So what show do you like? I've been trying kind of racking my brain on this one. I'm mm -hmm. trying not to use it to get like another one that I love. Cause that would be, that would be kind easy. of like what I just did. Yeah. Go on. <laughs> and I think I'm going to go maybe a little bit off base here. I'm going to say the NBA on TNT broadcast team. What? I'm, That's not a show. It, well, no, it is. No, the show that they put together. I mean, oh. NBA on TNT. It's the Thursday it's night the show. basketball okay. show. That's like two layers outside of anything that's ever occurred to me. But go on. <laughs> so I love basketball. So I have strong opinions on broadcast teams, which is a topic for another time. But yeah, I really like it. It's really well done. They have good thoughts. They uh, quite often get into sort of politics of sport as well, which is interesting. Uh, hmm. I only like it, though, because uh, Shaquille O'Neal is on the show and he's <laughs> the worst. Uh, <laughs> what necessarily makes him as a person, worst? I'm not going to make judgments there. But he's just not a great uh, personality, like on-air personality, at least in this sense. You like to watch it because he's sort of horrible? No, I, I only like it as opposed to love it because he's bringing it down. Oh, okay. Yep, that makes sense. Yeah. So I'll pass on like and just glob my, my British Bake Off and my Masters of Sex together into a love-like pile. Uh, well, then let's move into uh, the show you hate. Mm. Well, okay, so I wouldn't... I wouldn't, this is a tricky one because uh, I don't watch anything I don't like. So <laughs> I can't, I can't really speak to anything that I, well, no, that's not true. I fucking hate that show um, that my dad really loves, which is the nerds. They're all physicists. Oh yeah. Uh, Big Bang Theory. Big Bang Theory. Fuck. I hate that show. And I was so mad that he keeps winning the Emmy. Ugh. Yeah. You know, like, once, fine. Every time? Ugh. 
Big Bang Theory to me has one kind of joke and it just makes that joke every week again. And I really hate um, racialized characters like the the like smart Indian guy, like brr, 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 like ugh, and all these. I just feel like it's all it's so tired. And OK, you want to you want to only defense for that is that the actor is from India. That's his actual accent. But other than that, I, you know, I know, but, and it's, you know. It's, I know, but that's not. I mean, I feel like. Ugh, I mean, I guess that's a conversation. Yeah. Worth having about. I, I agree with you. I d- totally dislike the show. I think it plays mm-hmm. on the like, he's Indian. Isn't that funny? Mm-hmm. Way too much. Um, yeah, and on you know like sort of sexless nerds, which is also not you know I mean God, it's got a. I mean, how many how much how much crossover is there between misogynist assholes and like people who kind of identify as being these un unattractive, unlovable weirdo nerds with hot, weird, booby blondes next door. Like, I just feel like the whole thing is set up to kind of play into a not terribly interesting or critical reflection of people's worth in society. Like, No, no. I, I absolutely agree. And Ugh. its portrayal of women is atrocious <clears throat> as well. Exactly. Yeah, it's... yeah. I'm disappointed that Blossom is on that show. <laughs> I thought she was smarter than that. I don't know. But everybody needs to work, I guess. Although, doesn't she have a PhD in like being a genius? Uh, Something, yeah. Um, What's from your what show? I've that... seen her character is actually one of the funner parts of the show. Yeah, maybe. Anyway, um, blah. Bending the rules slightly. It's a show I used to love, and this I'm this season I I, I can't. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's Doctor Who, mm. a show that I love. That you um, now hate. Yeah, I. I'm really had high hopes for this season. Uh, the actor that is playing the doctor now mm-hmm. is an actor that I love. It's Peter Capaldi, who is in this British show called The Thick of It, mm-hmm. and uh, which also had a movie called In the Loop that people may have seen. That yeah, definitely. Cool. It was very good. Uh, he is the foul-mouthed uh, Malcolm character in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I really enjoy him as an actor, and I thought he'd be great, and... Uh, it's not been good. Mm. It's then the writer is a bit of the problem. He has trouble writing female characters, which mm-hmm. is a bit of an issue. They all kind of come across the same like sassy character. Yeah. At its best, Doctor Who can be this really great show about the like triumph of intelligence and like kindness over viciousness and uh, people that try and rule through like power and strength Mm. Um, well that makes it sound good yeah it really can it really can have brilliance to it uh this season however it's just falling flat for me so it's i think i would personally file i think i would file doctor who under uh in the same place that i've filed harry potter which is that i never read any of the harry potter books and it's not that I really don't want to or think that they're bad or something. I can't obviously say that having not read them. It's more just that I've never felt a desire and always sort of thought, I'll just save it for bed rest. Like if I'm ever hospitalized for six months, <laughs> then I'll read Harry Potter. And like, I might also watch Doctor Who. I don't know. I just feel like it's important to save things for these times. Fair enough. Uh, should we move on? Yeah. I don't even know if I can describe this as hate that I love, but... I think the Mindy Project is one of the most complicated shows on TV right now, not because of, it's not complicated in a way like Girls is complicated or 
or Breaking Bad where it was complicated, but mm-hmm. complicated in the sense that um, actually, essentially, it feels like a sort of terrible show and there's a lot of really terrible caricatured characters and the plots are frequently banal and um, kind of ridiculous. And yet the Mindy Kaling character is fascinating to me and unlike anything I've ever seen on TV and she executes it in, in a way that's so refreshing and actually like mind-numbing that I I have to keep watching even though a lot of the show is like r- truly offensive to me. Um, and by to me, I just mean it's portrayal particularly of its um, black or African-American secretary is so unbelievably caricatured that it's 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 hard to not understand it as a caricature, but it's it doesn't appear to be meaning to be a caricature, and so it's just horribly written. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so it's it's a show that's not uncomplicated, and yet the Mindy character is is self possessed in a way um, that's very refreshing, actually, and so I find myself sort of drawn back to it. Um, and I want to pivot off of that and also say that New Girl is a show that I really liked in its first season. Um, and then I stuck around for season two and three, even though I thought the show itself just really tanked. Like, I just really didn't enjoy the comedy. It didn't make me laugh anymore, and I found it really punishing. Oh, I still, I'm still all in on New Girl. Well, so the first two episodes of this season have been fantastic, and I feel like what ha- something shifted. They've got new writers. I don't know what's going on. They figured something out, or it's just a- embraced its absurdity a little bit more, and I now I'm enjoying it again. So New Girl has kind of come back from the dead for me, and, uh, and yeah, and I'm on board. So I don't know if that's hate love or love hate, but I, I should also throw out there just to be real, which is that I, I do also, I don't know if you can call it hate watch, but I do sort of still watch Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> and I just, I don't know. Now that Sandra Oh's gone, I'm not sure I'm going to like it as much because she was one of the more dynamic characters. Yeah. But uh, I think this is their last season. Like, I hope it is. I just, you know, it's just like I just, now I just need to finish it. Like, I just can't. You know, I've been with it the whole time, so I just got to I just gotta stick it out. But I don't, uh, I don't know why I watch it, to be honest. It's just a, it's just a soap. Just a, it's just a, a pill my brain wants to take for 45 minutes every <laughs> week for six months or something. I don't know why. No, that makes sense to me. Yeah, I don't know. So, Shonda Rhimes Empire. I'm I'm in. Uh the Shondaverse, I think I've heard it referred to. The Shondaverse. It's true. So, yeah. Although scandal is I cannot handle scandal. It's too stressful for me. I won't I won't watch it. I, I don't like it. That's too intense for me. That's too much TV. <laughs> I don't like it. So I have a complicated relationship with hate love and guilty pleasures. Yeah. Uh, in which I of course refuse you do. to have guilty pleasures. I just I refuse to be guilty about Good. the things that I like. Good for you. Um, that said, uh, this show is recently finished uh-huh. um, forever, and it's the best show that I kind of do hate that I love, uh-huh. which is True Blood. Oh, I never watched that. Hey, is that is that the like sort of sexy Southern vampires? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, I never watched that. Wolves and shape changers and. It gets increasingly ridiculous. The last season didn't even really have a plot. Right. Um, <laughs> it had, like, just gratuitous sex scenes that really had nothing to do with the plot. There was a five-minute scene that opened one episode uh, that was a dream sequence sex scene that literally had nothing to do with any plot points before or after. Well, 
I think we can all give ourselves a break for wanting to watch TV shows that incorporate sex in a way that feels vaguely plot related, which is, I will admit, part of the draw of Masters of Sex for me. I mean, it is a show about people having sex. Oh, absolutely. And I, so, and, norm- I, and I would absolutely agree. And normally, True Blood does that, and but this one time, and I also at the same time kind of loved that it was just like, hey guys, here's a sex scene. Yeah, you want it, so here you go. Chew on this. Yeah, these are two characters you haven't seen have sex on this show, so now they're gonna do it in a dream. Yoink. Um, cool. And it's, I mean, objectively, it's just an awful show. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I should I save so that much. for bed rest as well? Uh, yeah. Yeah, the first season is actually really good, oh. and it just kind of gets progressively, progressively more and more awful. Yeah, but also more and more ridiculous, which maybe is why I kept watching it. Cool. Well, I loved. I enjoyed that conversation. Um, as always, I want to throw to a song that I've been listening to this week. It was released, I think, last week. It's um, Perfume Genius is the name of the band, and the song I'm going to play is called Queen. Don't you know you're queen? week so design is our most sort of ambiguous i like keeping design as kind of like what the hell are we gonna do this week so what's gonna happen is i'm gonna run you through uh a dungeons and dragons single person adventure that is designed to help you create a character okay so what this will kind of do is it will type you into a DD character okay um, i just want to note for the audience and for perpetuity that I don't really understand what Dungeons and Dragons is, and I have no involvement with Dungeons and Dragons. And, but I, I really like people who are really into things. And I don't know, Stu, if you identify as being really into Dungeons and Dragons. But... I've been a dungeon master since I was fifteen. <laughs> so yeah, I, I would say I'm pretty into it. I have a weekly oh Monday God. group. Oh my God, uh, I love it. We don't play D and D exactly. We play Star Wars, Edge of the Empire. The role-playing game. God. Um, I love how nerdy you are, Sue. Uh, I do old, love it. I, and I know that sounds nerd. patronizing, but I, I mean it because I'm also a nerd, but in different ways. I don't know. So I should say for anyone that hasn't ever played D&D that what we're about to do isn't a perfect representation of what an actual game is like. Okay. Um, since this is something specifically designed to get one person to a built character. Okay. Whereas normally you'd be playing with four to six people, it'd be a little more open-ended. Okay. Um, If you would so kindly as hum the Game of Thrones theme or some dramatic music, well, I... uh... Oh, I've never watched Game of Thrones, I should say. (laughs) Uh, Well, then forget it. So basically (laughs) I'm just going to start reading this thing. 
Send me a clip of something dramatic and I'll lace it underneath what we're talking about now. Okay, I will. Thank you. So, the wagon rattles and creaks as it rolls along the old trade road. Travis, the dwarf merchant beside you, guides a team of mules with a steady hand, more interested in the road ahead than in your attempts at conversation. But that's part of dwarven nature. Though the sun is low in the sky, you should reach the town of Fallcrest before midnight. To your left, the moon hills stretch off southward and reach up towards the darkening sky. The fall air grows cooler with the night's approach. So then it says that uh, you should start thinking for a moment about what your character hopes to achieve. Okay. Uh, <laughs> My character really wants to hop into a car and drive to a 7-Eleven and get a Slurpee, but go on. So it's saying, you know, uh, are you setting out on a life adventure? Are you heading to town to see someone you know? Perhaps a relative who has died? Um, and while you're thinking about these things, mm-hmm. suddenly a noise shakes you out of your reverie. The twang of a bowstring coming from the shadows beside the road. Travis cries out as an arrow sinks into his shoulder. With a shrill cry, a pack of goblins, short ugly creatures with green skin and fang-filled mouths, run toward the wagon, brandishing weapons. You can see another goblin pulling an arrow from a quiver on its back. It's clear these creatures mean to steal the wagon, and that probably means limiting both you and the merchant first. Okay, so we're being attacked by goblins with bows and arrows? So, do you imagine pulling a weapon from the back of the wagon and leaping down to fight the goblins? Do you imagine casting a spell to blast the goblins? Or do you imagine drawing a dagger, using the wagon for cover, sneaking around to pick off the goblins without putting yourself in too much danger? Is there a fourth option, which is just, like, run the fuck away? Uh, Do you prefer hiding in the back of the wagon until the fight is over? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Okay, so we go to uh, section six. (laughs) uh, Where it says, in a very, like, kind of... How dare you, Town? It's like, hiding from danger is not the thing that most characters in heroic fantasy do. (laughs) Go back to one and choose a more heroic course of action. Amazing. Okay, well, then it's whatever the third one is, which is sort of like, limit your engagement, but grab a dagger or something like that. Yeah, okay. So. (laughs) I love that it's like, shame shaming me. Yeah. (laughs) Go Uh, on. It is, it is. I remember that came up before when I did this with someone else and I laughed at how, like, how dare you? <laughs> it was. Yeah, very judgy. But um, go on. So it says you're ready to fight but not willing to rush headlong into battle. This makes you sound like a rogue. Mm-hmm. Uh, rogue is one of the four main classes in Dungeons and Dragons, uh, defined by your skills, your ability to hide, your street smarts. Um, you're most certainly nimble with quick reflexes and a fair amount of strength. You're probably intelligent, though cunning might be a better word for to describe your street smarts. Uh, does this sound like what you have in mind for your character? Sounds great. All right. So let's go ahead to 25. So you draw your dagger, leap down from the wagon, and sneak around towards the nearest goblin. Um, It's giving you a bunch of rules that we don't need to do. So now you would roll a dice, which I have here, to see if you hit this goblin. I'm going to do that. You're literally rolling dice right now? I'm really rolling a dice. So unfortunately... uh, the goblin nimbly dodges your blow and steps around to your side, swinging its own crude sword at you. It attacks. Oh my god. So it's gonna, it rolls against you. Uh, so the goblin misses you. And it's your turn again. I'm gonna skip ahead and say that. Uh, Just you, pick something. <laughs> that you uh, choose to. Uh, you Do you wanna try and overpower it? Or do you want to use 
acrobatics and tumbling to go on the defensive. Do some acrobatics. Let's Cirque du Soleil this shit. All right, so you choose to use defensive strike. You use your acrobatic and tumbling skills to go on the defensive against the goblins, hoping to better defend yourself from the swarming horde. <laughs> swarming horde. It's a good band name. Uh, this time you hit... You go on the defensive, expertly countering each attack made against you by the swarming goblins. The goblins hesitate, dancing around their fallen comrades and then looking back at you. Suddenly the goblins realize that capturing the wagon isn't going to be as easy as they thought. They turn and run, scattering in all directions. And now I really understand what it must have been like for you to have me do your chart. (laughs) I'm like, oh, this is so hard to care about. Go on, go on. Okay, so I've the goblins have effed off. Yeah. Now what happens? Uh, the whinny of a horse catches your ear, and as you look around for the source of the sound, you see a rider at the crest of a low hill, a few hundred yards away. The rider seems to be human, but as the goblins fee- flee, he shakes his fist in frustration. His jet-black horse rears and whinnies again, and the rider's red cloak billows behind him in the wind. Then the horse gallops off towards the southwest into the moon hills. I'm just going to take a moment to say that when I actually run games, I do not use this voice. (laughs) I was just going to say I really love this voice, but go on. Um, Okay, so you'll never catch this mysterious rider on foot, but determining his identity might bring some insight into the reasons of this attack on the merchant's wagon. Uh, This would be your major quest if this were to become an actual adventure. Um, Let me know if this becomes an actual adventure. Go on, go on, go on, um, sorry. I think this is surprisingly short because I think we're almost done. I love it. What? I'm an efficient uh, okay, no, fighter, no, no, avoider. We're not. We're not. Um, oh, but okay. we have reached the first part of determining what you are. So you've gained 100 experience points. Hey. Um, Ka-ching. YOLO. And we've decided that you are a rogue who uh, is more likely to use their defensive skill and athletics rather than uh, strength to overpower people. Brains, baby. Brain's not brawn. Yeah, yeah. So and you can kind of see, um, one thing I have noticed in the 15 years I've been playing uh, role-playing games is that you can kind of get a sense of people a bit in the characters they play. People tend to play the same or mm. similar characters over and over again. So people are enacting different parts of their psyche. Yeah. I uh, easily identify as a rogue, <laughs> even though it, it sounds sort of bizarre to say, like, I'm a rogue. Like, that would be a really great if your Twitter was just like, writer, editor, rogue. It would just be really barfy. I have definitely seen people do that. Yeah. I can't take Twitter labels seriously. Mine is coffee notes. Like, I, I walked by, like, and not just, and not fancy coffee notes, like Langara cafeteria coffee notes. There's like a, <laughs> You know, you get a cup and then you fill it with the coffee from the thermos. But it's some kind of coffee. I don't know what. And then it has, like, tasting notes on it. And one of them was just, like, rich, elegant, complex. And I was like, that's beautiful. And so now that's what my Twitter explanation of who I am is. I think at some point I might need to, like, professionalize slightly more. But for now, rich, elegant, complex. Pretty sure mine says that I'm just a dinosaur in a suit. Yeah. That's great. See? I don't know. There's just, there's people who just can't take themselves seriously, and I am one of them. That's fair. And uh, also very well suited to a rogue. Hey. Bring it, bring it all together. Okay, yeah. what's next? Okay. Do I have to slay some dragons now? Um, probably not any dragons. They would probably murder you at this point, <laughs> as you are very low level with only 100 experience. Um, but what's next is uh, my D&D, I mean, um, the radio voice. <laughs> 
The merchant is not seriously injured, but as the goblins run away, he glances into the back of the wagon and swears vigorously. They stole it, he shouts. Then he turns to you. You! You were incredible in that last fight! You probably saved my life, but I need your help again. The goblin stole something from the back of my wagon. Something precious. I need to get it back. I think I'm probably going to cut all of this together and just, like, fall asleep listening to you (laughs) explaining Dungeons & Dragons. It's very sweet. Um, But I wasn't really paying attention. What just happened? Uh, (laughs) Goblin stole something from the merchant. He wants you to get it back. Okay. Now here's Wait, I thought I killed the goblins. Is the goblin on the black horse? No, you scared them off. Oh, okay. But they stole something, and I need to get it back? Yes. Got it. Um, So this is another... uh, character choice moment here uh how would you respond to the desperate merchants please for help would you immediately volunteer to help would you ask what's in it for me uh would you promise to bring the goblins to justice for this crime or would you wish the merchant luck and climb back in the wagon i mean my first instinct is to be like of course i'd help but then my second instinct is like what's in it for me which is actually the second choice so um (laughs) I mean, and I, and when I say what's in it for me, I think I feel like, I mean, you know, am, am I on my way somewhere else and this is a distraction from that journey or am I, is this the journey? Uh, That's very deep. I guess context-based, I would try to just understand whether or not this person is, could benefit from the help that I would give them more than they, than not helping them would harm them. So. Well, he did say that the thing in the wagon was something precious to him. Yeah, and he and he feels not capable of really dealing with that himself. So he's wounded. <laughs> he's wounded. Oh, okay. Well, then, yeah. Then I'd, I'd get it. I'd sort it. I'd jump in. All right. You I immediately volunteer to help. Uh, you have a helpful and adventuresome <sighs> spirit. I feel. I mean, I can we subtract some selfless points off of that? I feel like I don't know. I don't know. I would help, but I would. What was the third option? The third option was to promise to bring them to justice. Oh, uh, and the fourth? Uh, wish him luck and climb back in the world. Oh, yeah, no. Okay, so the first one's fine, I guess. One, okay. So you have a helpful and adventuresome spirit. Travis gladly accepts your offer of help and promises you a reward of 30 gold pieces if you return the stolen item. Ka-ching! It's a small gold wooden box with a lock, he explains. He asks you not to look in the box if you find it though blushing slightly as he explains that the contents are personal. Dick in a box. 100% dick in the box. Oh, we, that, that's our first dick. It's, <laughs> we are already in the third segment. Took us this long. Boing, 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 boing. <laughs> so what this means is that you have a good alignment. Um, and With? In D&D, there's alignments. Uh, you can be good, neutral, and evil. You can be chaotic, neutral, and lawful. So okay. right now we just know that you're good. I've got a good What's this also saying is that your strongest ability scores are strength, yep. intelligence, wisdom. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I read that wrong. Uh, dexterity <laughs> is your number one. Right. Would that uh, it were so. Yeah. And then um, the next ones not in order of importance are strength, intelligence, wisdom, and charisma. Okay. Um, I just really need to know what, uh, what of those four you value the most. Strength, intelligence, wisdom, charisma. 
Oh, that's really hard. I mean, I'm going to say intelligence, even though, just because I feel like with intelligence, you can gather knowledge and wisdom uh, and become stronger over time. Uh, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Intelligence is something I appreciate always when I see it or encounter it. That is, that's perfect. Okay. So this is where you can say that we get into some of starts getting into personality. Um, it also means you're an elf. Hey. You're an elf rogue, and we will... How many more layers are there to my... I mean, I guess I can imagine that there's infinite layers to developing a personality or a, a character, but... There's not... I don't think there's a ton more. Um, okay. Can I just ask whether or not, and this might be, again, totally naive to D&D culture, mm-hmm. um, but does this game, because it's, you know, perhaps an infinite, but some, well, or a finite, but a really diverse and varied set of names and roles and traits and jobs and objectives and paths and qualities, that it provides an opportunity for young girls and boys to interact socially who otherwise have no idea how to do that like is that part of the thing that it yeah, that it I think creates it does i mean that for me that was part of it as a way and now it's just you know I, I see friends i don't see otherwise um yeah. and it's just it's a fun thing to do with friends and it's definitely when you're younger i think you can explore things through it it provides a tool yeah for that. I think that's really sweet. I think I don't really, I didn't really understand so much what it was about. You know, as I'm hearing you rolling the dice and imagining what this sort of setup looks like on your computer, I'm having flashbacks to like every hallway of like beautiful, beautiful nerds in every school, everywhere that I've ever seen. And uh, I'm like feeling happy that those people could find each other and play play a game that allowed them to kind of be mixing and matching and playing with narrative and exploring different aspects of their personality. It seems pretty cool. Yeah. I found, uh, the people that sort of, that would come to it maybe later in life too. Mm-hmm. Um, actors really seem to enjoy it, uh, mm. being able to inhabit another character. Um, mm. and I mean, I found most of my friends, even people that d- didn't play it when they were younger, uh, I've been able to enjoy it. It's, it's, it's pretty fun. I mean, like I said, this isn't a great representation of it. I think if you like the idea of collective storytelling, right. Some RPG, maybe not D and D, which is a little more like, you know, let's roll dice and fight things. Um, right. Might, might be interesting. And hmm. There might even, there might be one out there for you. Jackie. Yeah, maybe, maybe we need to have a, a version of depression quest. I suppose I just have this huge block and partially it's because of the things that my dad was really interested in and I was really not interested in, but um, it's just a, a huge kind of fantasy block. Like anytime anyone has a nose plate on, I just don't want to watch. I don't care. Anything that's sort of medieval where people have like a fake British accent, I just can't get turned on by it. And so to me, everything relating to fantasy and Dungeons and Dragons and role-playing and Catan and I don't even know what, like <laughs> hunting and gathering and blah, I've just... I don't know. It's, it, I just, it never really turned me on. And, but, um, but as I've picked apart my sort of prejudices around that, I think I've realized that there's lots of really interesting stuff going on there. So it's been fun. It's been fun to learn, although I can't, it's hard for me to imagine wanting to sit down and playing a role-playing game, but I would, I would be open to that experience just to try it. 
there are games that are not fantasy based so right if you if you were going to sit down i would suggest maybe try one of those and stay away from the, the games with nose plates <laughs> cool on that note i feel like we should wrap up yeah um, we, well, we have reached the end we now know that you are an elven rogue who is good at heart values hey. uh discretion and caution and hey. intelligence over brute force and uh does that sound like you at all <laughs> yeah yeah so I, I am a person, I don't think caution is a word you can <laughs> really use to describe me very well, although I am interested in learning to become a more cautious person. I am not particularly cautious, but uh, in certain circumstances, maybe I'm non-confrontational, which could be seen as caution, precautionary. I don't know. Yeah. But overall, yeah, that, I mean, that's sort of, that sounds like me or something I can identify with. Fantastic. Well, then, and we are done. You have reached the goblin's lair. But... <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'm stoked to be here. <laughs> uh, closing out the end of the show here, I just wanted to let everybody know that the suburbia issue of Sad Mag is now available. Um, come to the magazine launch on October 4th, which is at Make. Um, visit yeah just hit our tumblr for all the details um i'm ostensibly clear on twitter and i am at stewpop on twitter and i actually do have uh, a little thing to pitch as well go for it um so this is later in october i believe it is in fact the friday after the magazine launch i will be hosting or co-hosting uh, then and now, a fundraiser for Megaphone at the Wise Hall, Friday, October 10th. Oh, I want to go to that so bad. That's the night before I go on my crazy road trip. I don't think I can make it, but Chersey's going to be there. Yep, yeah. We have a great list of people. We have Sean Bro from Widemouth Mason, Hot Panda, City Real, Tanya Aganaba, The Wild Romantics, Badger Shop, and Chersey, is that? Chersey, Chersey yeah. Chersey? Yeah, who listened to our show last week because I tweeted at her. Nice. Uh, yeah, it sounds like a fantastic event. Yeah, I hope to see everyone there. I hope to see you there. If not, I will uh, see you at the lunch. Yeah. Uh, okay. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you again soon. Bye.